Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hey, what's up, everybody? Will Kern from Endless Events here back again with another event brew where we take all the things happening in the events industry and say super controversial things and probably get in trouble one day, but right now we haven't yet. So, but yeah, I'm not the only one on this show. I'm joined by two of our amazing co-hosts today. Unfortunately, Nick Brelli is uh, out with his sick child, as you may have heard in the last episode. So uh, we, uh, we send him good wishes. But in the flesh, two of your favorites in the house. Who, who we got in the house today? Do, wait, do you guys want me to introduce? I'll introduce you guys then. They don't want to introduce themselves. We are joined by the Wicka 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 Dustin Wesling in the house from One West Events. Dustin, thank you for joining us. You're such a loser, Will. <laughs> I am, I am, but you know what? You know what? At least I am cool in the eyes of Tui Deep from PRA <laughs> Events. Woo woo! Hey everyone, <laughs> <laughs> we're a hot mess, you guys. Yeah, we got a. Uh, they they dared me to introduce them uh, this time around. Uh, they definitely are regretting that decision now. But <laughs> but at least we have like the same content and thought like formatting compared to this next topic that we're about to this cover. is true this is true wait until you hear about this topic but before we get into the topic as always we got to start the episode what are you guys drinking today what's in your cups what are you sipping on today uh i'll kick it off today i'm drinking i'm in Katy, texas which is a suburb of houston texas uh it basically should be its own city um and i'm drinking from a place called kona roasteries and no before you think i'm drinking coffee i am drinking a matcha latte which is very delicious Really changing it up today, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I flew all the way to Katy, Texas, just to drink matcha. Tui, what are you Is drinking? it what? <laughs> well, I'm drinking my usual, my green tea yogi, super antioxidant, helps reduce free radicals with a little bit of organic honey. But it's in my event brew mug that Dustin got us all. Woo! Cute. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> what are you drinking? I just got back yesterday from a week in Mexico. And I uh, wasn't feeling great by the last day. Hola. Probably something to do with the water. Uh, so I am on a strict diet of water and ibuprofen, trying to uh, trying to keep keep it all together here. So again, something me, water. water. I know, and it's water. Tw- it's 2020. I'm supposed to be getting better at this, and yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how water is spelled T E Q U I L A. I can't drink tequila. I wish I was that strong. <laughs> I'm seriously sitting here like trying to spell it with my... <laughs> Q-E... No, T-E... Like, what is that spell? Tequila? Tequila? <laughs> nope. Can't do it. Can't <laughs> well, drink it. Can't have, spell it. I'm, I'm from Arizona, <laughs> so I, we had to spell tequila in middle school, so... <laughs> oh, don't ask questions. <laughs> what? What? 
No, I'm just kidding. Like you just learn how to you understand like the basics spelling and pronunciation of of Spanish words. Um, I didn't actually know what tequila was in middle school. So, anyways, to today's topic. After uh, we, we all uh, wanted to talk about, so we saw an article come out um, from MeetingsNet, which was highlighting their top fifteen articles of the year, and we thought it'd be pretty interesting mm, to oh, um, do. Delayed. Wait, do that one more time. You froze. Um, so we thought it would be cool to uh, cover. Um, do you want me to start from MeetingsNet? Yeah. No, no. Or uh, sure. If- so we found an article uh, from MeetingsNet, uh, which covers their top 15 articles of the year. And we thought it'd be cool to do a reaction to all of them because, you know, obviously these top articles show what you guys are reading and what everyone's interested in the most. Um, and when it's the most interested article, it obviously means what's the buzz of the industry. So this would be a cool kind of uh, a year episode to uh, cover what's been happening in the last 12 months in the industry. So we'll go down each article and talk about it, but I know we got all fired up about this format of this. Dustin, Dustin, why don't you explain what the format of this and why it, 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 it fires you up and why it grinds your gears? Um, this meetings net is terrible for this. There's a couple other, um, there's a couple other blog sites that do this too. this stupid slideshow that you have to click on to get through the articles and then it's peppered with ads in between, which listen, I get it. I understand how how uh how businesses work and you need the ads but um yeah this you you explained to me really well why they do it but um Mm -hmm. why don't you like why don't you tell everybody why they do what they do so the reason why they do this is uh two reasons both for marketing reasons first is every time that you click through it shows new ads so what it does is it boosts the amount of impressions that they get on those ads so it makes advertisers happy that they're getting their ads seen in front of more people and also it gives more chances for the sell ad spots because usually those ads are rotating so it has a chance for more ads to be shown to you as time goes on uh, I think this is especially bad because they're also showing ads in between slides. So you'll get like through three of them and then another ad shows up on it on top of all the ads surrounding the entire page. Um, and yeah, I get it. Like it's publishing's hard these days. You got to make money using ads. But, you know, at some point, like when you're making your user experience worse, it's uh, not fun. The second reason why as well is that Google uh, benefit or uh, they, they reward the longer you're on a site and by clicking on one link and going to another, it signifies to Google that you're f- deep and you really like the content that they have. So you're willing to continue down kind of the, the rabbit hole of content they've created. So it actually signifies to Google to rank you higher as well. So both for marketing reasons, uh, unfortunately, at the demise, I think, of us as the users. Um, fun marketing fact of the day. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we need like a spinning like and some uh, some 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 like pop ups coming up and saying yay you won a million dollars click here to redeem i wonder see when when i get like articles like this it makes me just want to just move on like Mm -hmm. my attention span just to not only to just see a photo but then to go through the links and then on top of it 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 just gets really confusing and then it says top 15 but i counted 10 but there's like multiple articles within each one so it's yeah definitely not user-friendly and of course, we're about to dive deep into this, so of course I had to muster <laughs> just continuously hitting the the next slide. Everyone's really happy that I chose for us to do it on this article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, that's our honest like opinions. Yeah, and yeah, I think. But I there think... are good topics on here for sure. And, and one of the things I think too, the nice is I wish they had a little bit of 
reach retrospection into the articles a bit too because some of these are related to specific events that happened within time and i love to almost see like oh what did this do so this was popular maybe seven months ago at the beginning of the year but now now? where is it now and what is the, the, the context of what that looks like you know just a little bit more or maybe like a summary so i don't have to read the entire article they have a little bit of text there but it's really forcing you to just dive deeper back into their articles a little bit more um and, and I get it. Like, this is so easy to create this piece of content for them. They're grabbing the same image. They're just grabbing some text in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, definitely I think I just wish there was a way to kind of elevate it to the next level. Um, and, and and for everyone out there who thinks maybe we're just digging on, like, MeetingsNet, I love the teams at MeetingsNet. I read their blogs all the time. I am constantly checking back on their site. Like, when we're looking for topics and news to cover, I'm looking at MeetingsNet so I want everyone to know we're not like on a vendetta against MeetingsNet. I think our hope is that by us being the opinion-based podcast that we have this kind of like outsider's editorial perspective that we can all together elevate our content. And I'm down for anyone to call out Endless, my company, for its content and say like how we can do it better. We love to hear that sort of thing. Or if you even call EventBrew and say how we can do our episodes better. But, um, you know, I just want to make sure everyone knows that we're not like – there's no like second agenda with this at all. We just uh, – we just I don't think people do that before doing a whole entire episode. Yeah, for them no. Because yeah. we thought it was a great, you know, like the content in itself going through the, well, it says it's technically 10 um, categories are actually really useful. And it's, it's nice because we talked about event trends for, you know, 2020. And on my drive to work today, I always listen to the daily and it was a recap of all the events current events that happened in 2019 and it was really helpful and so this is a really good segment into this because it's something similar but obviously catered to the event industry should we kind of give a whole overall scope of what those these 10 overviews are and then kind of because of the slideshow go from beginning yeah i think that's good i think we'll start at like the high level so then that way yeah everyone can get them real quick and then we'll dive deep into them i like that okay so the first one is hurricane dorian affects the bahamas unevenly the second one is the uh, 2019 CMI 25 top meeting and incentive companies. The third one is event production giant grows even bigger. Um, hotel contracts clauses planners should be using but probably aren't. New technologies help cut costs for simple meetings. The killer icebreaker idea to get everyone telling stories. This one really perked my interest. Uh, the next one is scrambling to save a meeting. Uh, next one is from sandwiches to centerpieces. Sustainable meetings are catching on, which I, this also is a interest for me. Uh, the ninth one is what's in your wallet? Planner salary survey 2019. And then the last one is study finds one in four tech conference speakers are women. And we've definitely hit on this a couple times through throughout our episodes. So let's start with the first one. Hurricane Dorian affects Bahamas unevenly. Do you think these were ranked? This is like the number one, or do you think this is number ten and they were ranking up to number one? I actually don't know. I wish I I want to say they're just the top yeah. versus it being ranked because I don't think that one, even though it was a big event that happened this year, I feel like some down the line mm-hmm. were way more talked about. Absolutely. I mean, like I think that what's interesting about this too is like I love when uh, with Hurricane Dorian how it talks about like this is current events. And how it's out. Technically, a hurricane is outside the events industry, but it totally affects the events industry. 
um, 100%. I think feel like we need to have a little bit more of this kind of context conversation and kind of bringing the outside in more than we do the the just talk to ourselves all day long, um, 100%. So I can see why this one's popular. Something that um, that disappoints me a little bit about this article, and again, not to take the piss out of them, but they're... Um, there's no mention in this article about the loss of life. There's no mention of about the people that work in our industry in that area and the impact that it had on them. The minimum minimum wage, which I'm guessing is probably everybody that works in the hospitality industry is making $42 a day. So the loss wow. of wages for those people were likely very, very tragic. Um, there was 70 people that died during um, Hurricane Doreen and another 282 that were left missing, which I'm assuming that's changed over over time. But I do think it's interesting how this article um, doesn't address any of that in any way. Um, yeah, just throwing that out there. Interesting. It's mainly talking about like the, the, the loss of business and bookings that it like, mm-hmm. likely had as well. Right. And then in the big scheme of things, you got to ask yourself, is that is that more important than you know, than the, the, the people that are infected in that area for, you know, for a long time to come. It's uh it's a really, it's really is a quite the tragedy. Yeah. Wow. Dustin, good points. I mean, like, and, and thanks for kind of shedding light, I guess, on the, on the statistics um, as well. I mean, like super duper good stuff. Um, and then maybe I, I'm guessing you pulled some, a little bit more of that information out of some articles. So we'll look that down below, I think for people to kind of check out. So they can get the full scope of what's going on uh, as well. And Dustin, I was trying to prove you wrong in like rereading this article. You're so right. It doesn't have those core content that you spoke about. Dang. Hmm. Mm. Well, maybe those are the updates they should be doing before they list, uh, uh, top things people are talking about because this is what we really should be talking about. And I think these like the, this is the thing that like bugs me a little bit about like the 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 events industry at some points is a lot of times we public we, it's all about getting more and more content out, but like a lot of times no one's going back to update the past content that is popular. Like take this article, it's already popular. It's probably still getting linked and in information and sharing. It's probably still ranking high on Google. That's why it's doing well. Update it. Put some more information into it. Edit it and put an editorial note at the beginning. Like originally this was published on this date. It was you know, expanded for, you know, uh, continuing reasons. Well, here's the funny part, too, is that actually helps Google, and Google wants to see that you're updating your articles as well, which is just really crazy. So, um, all right, so. It is it, it is crazy, though. I think before we move on from this, the the economic impact to to our industry is just, it's it's mind-blowing, and, and this this article on MeetingsNet um, talks about some, um, some big acquisitions that were happening before this happened, and um, it really, um, this hurricane really devastated that industry and it looks like they're going to be a long road before they're, they're back to where they were. But with that, you have to hope that, you know, I, I've been to the Bahamas and, um, I, I really hope that they take this opportunity to rebuild a better, stronger Bahamas. And, um, I think there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of work that could be done in, in infrastructure and, and helping people with their daily lives. And I hope that the attention that was brought from this hurricane will, will help them not just get back on their feet, but get to a better place for that, um, for that area of the world. I think one interesting thing too, is like, I think when these articles come out and they, they, they obviously, I think everyone's initial reaction is like, Oh gosh, let's not go there. Like it's probably not in good shape. It's not a good place for us to host our destination, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's the opposite of what you need. In in fact, right. like, I feel like the, the story needs to be spun on saying like, 
oh, look, the, a hurricane hit it. Yes, there was a lot of bad things that happened, but man, look how hard they're, they're already made it. It's already back to normal and things like that. Like We need to figure out a way to drive business back to those locations to recoup that loss. Instead, it almost feels like this article, like it, it almost makes it pushes fear because, I mean, let, let's be honest. When the locations get picked, it's the execs who are saying, here's my top five places I want to be because I haven't been there in you know X amount of years. I don't want to go back to the same place I was just there last year, that sort of thing. But in reality, like you know, they're going to read a Google travel to Bahamas and these articles are going to rank number one. They're going to go, oh, this doesn't look good. And then they're going to move on when you really need the opposite. Should we go on to the, to, should we click on the slideshow to the, yeah, to the next? click on the slideshow and one. click so, on read it. The well, next one is the 2019 CMI uh, top 25. So top meeting and incentive companies. And I actually did look at this article prior to us recording. And I actually just enjoy that it's just a list. It's an alphabet. Uh, I believe it's in alphabetical order. Yep. And it has just, it's it's a really great summary for me to just say, okay, because we work with, uh, Perry works a lot with all these incentive houses and third party, uh, you know, uh, companies. And so it, it was really nice to see, oh, there are some that I don't work with, or let's like look more into this one. And so for me, this was a nice article. Uh, the only other thing I want to touch base on is I feel like these are the same companies. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if they've like rotated, but if we're doing a top 25, I know that Special Events puts out a, a top 25 like DMC. And even though, and I believe it's like the 15th year, yeah, for for 2019, it was their 15th annual Special Events top tw top 25 DMCs. And PRA is on the list every single time, which very honored by. I get really excited when they announce it. But after like, I feel like it's always gonna like. 25 is a lot, so I well, feel like Well, it's like having a the, thousand the influential people in the events industry, right? Yeah, like, I mean, that would be re my... Rewind, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go listen to the episode to us talking about in the top lists and influential lists um, episodes and kind of our opinion. I don't want to rehash all our opinions on those, but no, it feels like that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. And honestly, I almost don't like that there's no description on why. No. It was just like, hey, this there's is no a linking opportunity. no metric. Yeah, this is just like, yeah, again, this is going back to like the linking opportunity and the let's create social buzz side yeah. of things. Even when, you, even when you click through to them, it doesn't tell you anything like... Oh, it takes you like their individual anything. profiles. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a profile. And then there's some... this. Let's move on from this one. This <laughs> one <doesn't> <laughs> I hope to... I, Seriously. Yeah, and here's... I'm going to bug... This one, small thing that's bugging me on this one too is that this is only North American companies, but then they call it the top media incentive companies. Shouldn't you have it global if it's top across the entire world as well, not just North America? Okay, we probably should move on. We're gonna. Yeah. We're, it's once again. But just so they'll play on that. So the special event article that um, Lisa Harley put out this year for like top DMCs, theirs went into more detail. So you had your website, top officer, average numbers of programs per year that they ran, estimated 2019 revenue capabilities, north, and then like the events highlights that they did and trends to watch. So every single. DMC had that that category, but you're right. It was just kind of a, a quick little list, but it was helpful for me. Yeah. Ooh. Next one. Oh. Acquisition. Oh my gosh. So this is the the one about the production giant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is um. So this one's gonna get me all fired up. Um. I don't want to talk about this one too much because I feel like I'm gonna beat it with a dead horse. But it's about the PSAV acquisition of Encore, which was huge news this year. And I do feel like this was one of the biggest topics of the year 
self-fulfilling in some ways um, for our industry because it affected so many planners. And I think it's going to totally change 2020. We're already seeing huge changes with it um, across the board. Um, but if you want to know more about this too, we did an event tech podcast episode, which we'll link in the show notes where Brant and I broke down this acquisition and what it means for planners from a positive and negative standpoint. We also wrote an article with the history of acquisitions. Um, but this one, uh, I, oh my, I, it makes sense why it was such a big news. Everyone's heard of PSAV. If you hadn't heard of PSAV, you probably heard of Encore. And if you heard them buying each other, it was like Walmart buying Amazon in the events industry, or I guess like event production industry per se. Um, but uh, huge, uh, definitely huge news when it came to it. Um, but man, ah, I just uh, oh, don't even get me started on the on the. Angle. This is this is one of the only articles that has a little bit of Canadian content. Um, PSAV bought FMAV, which is a Canadian-based um, AV. Um, live event production company in October, um, so that's probably as close to home as we've uh, as we've seen it. And well, um, well they also bought um, they bought a Freeman AV up in Canada as well, which was like the encore of Canada essentially. Right. So I mean, they were they were buying them up left and right. I mean, yeah, like North American monopoly for sure. I'll use that word, the M word, that no one wants to apparently use. <laughs> So, oh yeah. my gosh, I do. I do think it's an important thing for people to be aware of. Um, but I think the problem was most people just covered it a lot of times from like, and again, like we had to be careful because we're a production company. So like we obviously are su super duper biased into what our reaction is to this. But um, I felt like there was just a lot of like, it looked like a lot of press releases coming out, but no one was, no one outside of the production industry was willing to put an opinion on it. And I feel like people need like we need to hear what planners are thinking how they're reacting and what's how is it shaping so i think that's an article that will be cool to re reshape this one was a two-parter the event production giant grows even bigger um the second portion to this was bcd meetings and events buying l37 creative and there's just this been, been this huge focal point on creative i know pra internally have have been really upping our creative thing uh portion of our department which i'm a part of and it's funny because dustin and well if you guys remember doing the event forum it's like that it's very similar in that model and so i this was something that was really educational for me um just knowing and and seeing what is important to in this case bcd and um having them you know take over the l37 creative being it like having that in-house creative service can so. you can one of you walk mm -hmm. me through who these people are because i actually don't know i what? i had never i, I, I never don't think i know. never heard of them until this so bcd yeah, so, to take Whoa. it away tell us okay. who the players are and what they do so if you guys go to slide two <laughs> of this article take a look <laughs> of, uh, at that top meeting incentive company like hit the the read it yeah, yeah, and then I'm it's going it. to pop up that list so bcd is is one of those and a really big player. I would say that's like top, you know, American Express is, well, at least the ones I've worked with. BCD, I'm currently working with them now, like Bishop McCann, BI Worldwide, the Creative Group. Uh, I'm just reading the ones I've done. Like CWT is a huge, I want to, I don't want to say they're number one, but they're like, I'm going to say top two, top three. What in do they there. do? So they're like our clients as, as like the DMC. So they're the ones that have the big accounts. Um, with all these corporate companies, and they're the ones that do all, all the the meetings and um, so the transportation. Third, 
third party or they're DMCs? Yes. Okay. No, no, they're they're our cli- they're the DMCs clients. So they travel around with these companies. They have that bigger picture in the strategies, and then you know if they if if the opportunity serves right, then they'll outsource to a DMC. But these are definitely the top players. These are the ones at IMAX that you see um, where all the destinations want to grab them. They're the ones that are like usually the hosted buyers. So that's kind of that. Like Merit is a huge one as well, which Nick I know works with. Um, so. It, and mode of action, I would say. And 110, actually, there's a whole list. Now we're going so through all this. So what's the, what what impact do, what impact does this have, these two groups coming together in your, I, in your mind, in your world? It's a, it's a shift in thought, being mindful and what's important to these corporate companies. Uh, creative is really ideal and for them to have something now in-house to help guide these these companies through it could be potentially loss of business for supplier partners or um you know it's just now taking a bigger chunk of that that pie versus versus outsourcing so this was a big deal wow it's crazy how sometimes like the like i didn't even hear about this and like how it just slipped right by the radar so goes to show you i guess that's uh, and, and give some benefit to these higher i would never found out about this so the fact that it was one of the most popular articles and now it's on this list now i've heard about it and now i'm aware of what's going on so should we uh move on to the next one what's up next so yeah. next one's uh hotel contracts clauses planners should be using but probably aren't i love these kind of articles because i think far too often planners think they're lawyers and mm. a lot of times i mean to be honest i'm not gonna lie as a supplier i've seen clients that just sign off on the contract and don't ever look at what's inside of it um though this one kind of hits home to heart because there's an article they they had which is yes you do need a cancellation clause and i'm curious to know um on your guys's ends i'm not sure um if you guys are willing to share but do you guys have any sort of clause inside your guys's contract that protects you as a as a company in case the client cancels the entire event Absolutely. Yeah, and it's usually like it's yeah, usually like a hundred percent, or like it uh, depending on what how, how close it is to it. it mm-hmm. That's what the article kind of talked percentage. a little bit about. About um, we recently lost a piece of business from a client though because they were being so advantageous to basically allowing them to cancel at any time with no damages at all. Like for us to the basically, and we had to like prove that we had damages and things like that, and the client will go uh, unnamed, but. Um, you know, it was just making it really, really difficult for us as a supplier to be like, we felt protected and that we, we understood where they're coming from. Like, who knows if they have to cancel the event, but, um, it was one of those things where, you know, if you're signing a three year commitment to working with us and then decide you want to have an opt out, you know, like, uh, that's, what's the point of a three year commitment and all these things like that. And, you know, I feel like sometimes too, like no one's ever willing to have an honest and straightforward conversation around these contracts and saying like, so, yeah, like, I mean, t- okay, I understand this. What can we do to work on this end? And it just seems so adversarial. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys see it. I'm all over the place, but that was a really recent thing that happened within one with one of our accounts, and I was just, I was all kind of fired up about it. And so this one kind of hit home for me. I don't know if you guys have seen similar things or what your guys' thoughts are on it. I've had lots of cancellations, lots of events for different reasons, and we um, were we hold people to the letter of the contract just like that company would do for us and yeah. 
when you work for, you know, when you work for billion dollar organizations that live in a world where they hold people accountable for the agreements that they make. And we do the exact same thing. And, but if someone canceled um, it, what, like, let's say it was something like crazy, right? Like there was riots in Calgary all of a sudden and like they couldn't do their event there. You probably would work with them to get do their event later or something like that, right? Like. Or, you know, like, I, I find that, like, there some people always consider, like, the non-customer support end of it. I'm not sure if you if, if you got on that same way, but, like, I feel like far too often people don't think about that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we want our clients to be clients for life, and we um, will do everything we can to, to make it work. But at the end of the day, it's we're a business, too, and when they make a commitment to us, whether it be... Um, revenue or resources those are allocated and um, and yeah that's why people have contracts and if there's a riot going on then I hope they have insurance to cover the cancellation because they got to pay there's lots of ways as a business there's lots of ways to protect yourself totally and it's it's often the supplier partners who are left holding the bag and the ones that that I think more more than more than anybody else, they're under the threat that if you if you don't make this happen then you won't get work again and it's totally. like well then and I've, you know, we've, we've had, we've had full, full on events have to pay a hundred percent of their bill because they canceled within, within the range and they have paid and they are, they continue to be our clients and they, and they understand and it sucks. And, um, it's, that's business. That's yeah, the way totally. it goes. I don't, uh, and the minute you start to, the minute you start to slide down that hill and let people get away with, you know, whatever they want. And yeah, of course, uh, you know, a riot in Calgary as unlikely as that would be is, is different than, you know, what, what we come across a lot in Calgary is that, you know, because we're, we're, we're so heavily oil and gas focused and it's, there's so much turmoil in, in our, our biggest industry. It's a lot of people cancel events because of optics, because all of a sudden they go through layoffs and then they say, Oh, we can't, we can't host this event because it's not going to look good. And they cancel. And I go, well, that's not my problem. Like, get your shit together, pay my bill. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and with that, I mean, we've, we've done everything from, you know, somebody cancels a holiday party because of optics. And then we've, um, we've taken their, you know, we, we've, we've taken those resources and dedicated to their family event instead. So we've, you know, bulked up their family event and, and, and become a, become a, a partner at the table to help them understand how they can, they can use, those sort of live experience budgets towards things that are not going to be um, shitty optics for companies who are laying off. But sign a contract, you pay. Everybody that I sign a contract with makes me pay every freaking time. So why shouldn't I? Tui, what do you think? I'm just imagining a riot in Calgary. You could say that it would be a like, stampede. <laughs> It'd be like, we won't say sorry. We won't say sorry. That's it. <laughs> My joke was so good. But I agree. <laughs> Agreed. I agree with with Dustin. Like when you go into a legally binding contract, it's the same for us too. When we sign our supplier partner contracts, we actually re review like even the deposit dates and everything like that. So then we can turn it into our client contract and we know all those things. We pay on time and, you know, just make sure that your contract has the right clauses. Act of God, force majeure, like all of those things and that you re really read it in detail because there's been times where I've signed that contract and I had to go and really review it because there was a pushback or anything like that. That's why you have multiple revisions. So when you're in that contracting stage, it's so it's not just, yes, I read it and, and here you go. It's no, really go through it because 
I'm sure it does in your contracts the same. It has quantities in there. It has, you mm -hmm. know, like actual detailing of what the services and products that you're getting. So you got it. If you signed it, you got to like mm -hmm. live with it and, and go forward. But mm -hmm. obviously there's a partnership there. So collaborating and working through to make sure that there's a win-win situation. But absolutely, you're, you're going to need to pay. I feel, I feel like contract it. law needs to be like a class that every person in the events oh, industry wow. needs to like understand or learn at least basic things. Not like freak out when they see – like I've had people freak out when they see Act of God. It's like, no, it's there in case something crazy happens. Totally. That's why it's there. Yeah, it's, and it's funny because we're like we're the we're the we're the industry where contingency planning is probably the most uh, the most important thing that we do. And oh lord, oh lord, I think the event industry needs its own law firm. <laughs> I think your your point your point in the beginning of this was very was very true. It's like event professionals need to stop being lawyers and stop stop representing themselves and um, we have we have a few different resources that we use to make sure that when i when a corporation rewrites our contract or makes changes like i rarely am the person that says yeah okay that makes sense like i always get somebody else to look at it and it's costly but you know it's not nearly as costly as getting left with nothing after six months of work so preach yeah preach. so preach. next let's move on to the next one um well i know you're like a you're very novice in, in this <laughs> category, but new technologies <laughs> help cut costs for simple meetings, aka Mr. Slack. <laughs> all right. And co-scheduling and all these other things that you make us learn. And so um, this is actually, I, I'm living it currently day to day. We're, we're constantly trying to figure out what the latest, you know, thing, like, tool technology tool that we can do to create just like effective workflow and collaboration within the internal team and how do we get things out faster i think the number one thing i've talked about to when i'm at industry events is just how everyone is quote unquote busy because of the new this new unfavorable trend of everyone needing something more customized mm. and like tomorrow <laughs> and so what are we doing as responsibilities? Are we putting our foot down saying no or saying yes, but let's figure out how to work smarter? So this was a um, a, a cool little article reading this. What did you guys think? Um, so what's interesting about this one is like it's written new technology to help cut costs for some. Everyone's always looking for like a tool or a hack to like save time. Right. It's like it's like the equivalent. This would be the equivalent of five tools to help save you time every day or something like that, right? Like everyone's always trying to figure out how to cut costs. I do like that it's focusing on cutting costs, not just like here's a technology for technology's sake. That's like something me and Brent really hate on uh, talking about on the podcast. But one thing I don't really like is is that some of these are really vague concepts. I I was just going to ask if you could explain this article to me because I don't understand what I don't even understand what they're saying. Help me they're help me about understand. Like small and simple meetings like specifically with this article well, yeah but then they say like so, they say like so one of the technologies is end-to-end -end models what does like, that mean well i, I know what it overview means, but... automates inefficient end-to-end -end booking overflow like i feel like this is an ad almost is it just me oh I'm, I'm just gonna look at who the author is curated and unique venue models a curated and unique venue. Model? Like if this had if this had Slack and said, "Hey, instead of sending so many emails, you can drag and drop files and have quicker conversations." You know, yeah, you basically that helps save you money. Um, so it's based on this. Um, it's based on this. They 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 reference to um, requests for information conducted by Aqueous Consulting Group. 
Um, and the, on here it has on here the vice president of consulting. Simone Avish wrote this, and he's a vice president of consulting for Digi Travel Consulting. Um, I just don't know. Like, I yeah, I just I feel like this the reason why this this title is it, really exciting to people, but I just feel like this is not actionable mm-hmm. for most people. I mean, like Tui. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're obviously in total different side of things than than us, but it just looks like this is they're mainly talking about RFP processes, maybe, and but then it doesn't like say anything really actionable on here. I don't know. I just yeah. It, then it has this like RFI matrix, like. I mean, again, like if you're on the audience, we're gonna link down to this article. If you have an idea of what this is talking about, and we're just wrong, and we have and educate us, tell us what, what what we don't understand about this. But I think far too often that like th- that this is like I think one of the big issues is that everyone's looking for a turnkey, like simple on solution flip and boom, save money. When it's not that simple. I mean, like when I mean you guys have all been there where we, when a client comes back to you and says, "Hey, I need to save money," it's not as simple as let's just you know get rid of this one thing it's like no let's have a larger conversation right. let's prioritize things and things like mm-hmm. that so i don't know mm-hmm. what are you willing to sacrifice yeah, exactly um yeah this article is we're moving on <laughs> not, moving, moving on. on moving on all right all right the next one is advertising yeah um when he jokes about it it's an actual ad that shows up uh when you click onto it so Three yes. more impressions for them because we're clicking through. Um, all right, you guys lead so, this one. <laughs> the, the killer icebreaker idea to get everyone telling stories. So really catchy title here. And there's actually three links to this. The killer icebreaker idea to get everyone telling stories. Help your attendees warm up to these awesome icebreakers. And three conference game people will actually like playing. I think that's one topic, though. First. Yeah, there's three there's three different articles so he, in here. So let's start. I'll, I'll start with the first article, um, which is they basically say what you need to do is ask three simple questions. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the easiest thing to do is ask. But it says um, the three questions is what was the first meeting, convention or large gathering you have ever attended? And how did you feel there? Does that really break ice? Um, and the next question is, what has been the proudest moment of your career so far? That's cool because you get people to show off. That's cool. Um, and would you like to hear a story from me? So it's a yes or no question. I think that needs to be. <laughs> I think that needs to be rephrased because yeah, it's a yes or no question. And <laughs> what if imagine? how awkward it be? So <laughs> Dustin like, would no. definitely be the one that says no. 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 <laughs> I feel. I no. feel because they talk about Go the preface. Of the, the article says like storytelling is really important. I feel like it's just in, scrap the first two questions. I mean, me the proudest moment could be the story, but you should just have everybody in the room tell a story. And I think that's like mm-hmm. super duper cool. I mean, but again, like. How big are these groups? I mean, like, I th- I was thinking about Icebreaker. I deal a lot in large meetings with, like, a 1,000-plus people. Like, you'd have to break everybody into groups of, like, what, 10? So you'd have 100 groups of 10 in order to be able to do this activity? You need a pretty big room to be able to do that, that sort of thing. I don't know. Just me. I actually like these yeah. questions. Uh, well, I like the third question because that's yes or no. But the first and second one, that's professional. You can get to know someone on a deeper level. It's better than how's the weather and how are you busy? You know, like what's the, yeah. what's been the proudest moment in your life so far? I hear that question get asked on panels all the time from like young professionals. And I think that's a really great 
mo- story to to know and to tell and it's you know positive and there's probably lessons learned there and what was your first meeting convention or large gathering you've ever attended and how that did that make you feel i would answer that question i i like that i would you know um I feel like that could dive deeper into building that relationship with whoever that that individual was, because it can go into, you know, like work life, and it can it it talks about like concerts and festivals and okay. other you know, uh, chi- like school prep val- rallies, things like that. So a college protest, I think those are all. I don't know that's my opinion. I I feel like it. I like it, those. Like at and for any sort of iceberg, I feel like. As long as you frame it, like no matter what the question is, almost like if it's you said it to be anything other than like, what do you do for work? Uh, you know, how busy are you? That's going to be a better conversation than than most icebreakers that ever happen. I think we talked, you know, again, like kind of refreshing back to the that one of the first episodes why we got to stop using the word busy. Um, one of my favorite things to do, if you ever check this product out, it's called the Holsky Reflection Cards. Holsky makes those really cool posters that has like that like life changing like paragraph of text that gets you motivated in the morning. If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, just search Holsky, H O L S T E E, and they make these cool reflection cards. They're really really deep questions. But one of my favorite things to do at my parties. And again, most people know each other really, really well at this point. Um, or, and there's like occasionally one person who doesn't really know somebody else. But I will place those cards on the tables because people naturally will grab them and look at them. And they'll be like, well, I guess I'll ask you this question. And it's deep stuff like, what was the biggest mistake you ever made? And would you have done anything differently? And like you move way beyond the, so what are you up to? How's life? How's work? And you go into like talking about like someone's biggest mistake, like deep questions. So check the check those reflection cards out. <laughs> I actually, yeah, the, I went to an event like that where I was supporting my friend who was um, performing. She's a, I can't, <laughs> musician and singer, songwriter. And I it, it happened to be a dating, like, event too, which, like, we everyone had to wear a different color. Like, if you're single, slash, obviously, I'm, like, not looking to mingle. And they had all those playing cards on there where you could, like, ask a question. And that's really great for for people who are uncomfortable just walking up to someone and asking, just starting conversations. This, um, so the next one on this list, the help your attendees warm up with these awesome icebreakers. This article is actually pretty good. There's some, there's some interesting stuff in here, but I am going to note that it was posted in 2018. And if you go to the bottom, it was originally posted in 2014. Oh, wow. It's a bit, it's a bit dated, they have this, um, so the candy bar personality test. So attendees walk in the room. There's nine different types of candy on the table. You pick the candy that you like the most, and then you sit in groups according to the candy that you've chosen. And then they, so they tell you what candies to use. So it's Baby Ruth, Three Musketeers, Butterfingers, Snickers, um, Nestle Crunch, Milky Way, Almond Joy, Twix, and Energy Bar. And then they actually tell you, um, so I'll give you an wait, example. Wait, which so ones says, are you guys? Real quick. Uh, I was oh, just gonna ask question. you guys yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys go first. Um, I don't think baby Ruths are. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna thing. do baby Ruths since you're missing it. I think they're delicious. I feel like I would do a Twix. I would be a oh, Twix, Twix girl. I, I'd probably be Milky Ew, Way. Okay, oh since my you god, get... so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Who what? likes Milky Way? I don't know. See, that's not true. See, my maybe that's not true. If there was an energy bar on the table, knowing that. Um, Knowing that there was probably something happening, I would probably choose the most healthiest one Ooh. just so that I could feel better <laughs> about myself. So chances are good. I would choose it. Okay. So what was yours, Chewy? Twix. 
Twigs. Okay. So you are sporty and energetic. Um, the more active you are, the happier you will be. You throw yourself into life with energy. When watching TV, you don't like to give up the remote control. Is that true? All very true. Yes. Okay. And then which one? You ba- were baby, baby Ruth. Ruth. Oh, <laughs> Willie, my baby Ruth. Okay. You are sweet and loving. You're a cuddly person who loves hugs and warm, fuzzy items. Stuffed animals and fleece clothing are your friends. You can be a little nutty. Sometimes uh, you need a little treat like an ice cream bar at the end of a stressful day. Uh, only half of that. Is half that true? of that's true. I don't like I don't like fleece. Fleece is really weird. Um, I don't have any stuffed animals, though I did just buy a stuffed Yoda for like the your whole f- baby your whole fucking office is full of I, toys. yeah but that's not a st- i don't cuddle them like they stay on a shelf well this is your moment to be vulnerable Just- <laughs> that's very much you i don't you. even need ice cream at the end that of the day you- okay maybe i need to sw- switch switch it up uh, a little bit but no i'm not i'm like not these i'm sending you a Brene brown book you need to work on your vulnerability <laughs> so because I'm the energy bar, because I knew this was coming, I am, it says, you're very active. In fact, you're so active, life is passing you by. Get a life. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Yeah. I actually, I like this article because there's a lot of action items. Like, there's, you can take these and, and actually go and practice yeah. them. I do like the tactical one. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one's, a, this one's worth a repost um, on our... It, it makes up for the new uh, technologies uh, that uh, might save you money. Yeah. Anyways, there's a bunch. <laughs> there's a bunch more here, but um, yeah, this one's this one's not so bad. I like this. <laughs> I I like I like it. All right. Sp- speaking of uh, articles we might like, let's. I, I want to move on to the next one. I think is pretty pretty interesting. I actually really love this concept. I actually haven't looked at the article yet. I just love this concept. Is basically it's a horror story. So the title of the article is "Scrambling to Save a Meeting," and a planner gets really vulnerable talking about when a hotel. Um, closed and they had to like scramble to get the event put together um and it talks about their experience of what it was like i think the only thing i don't necessarily like about is how short it is like it doesn't mm-hmm. really go super de- this was obviously like hours and days of this person's life changed and like i wish it detailed out like what did she do step by step even the mistakes she made like oh i wish i had done this first and i wish i had done this first i feel like the art industry needs to get so vulnerable like this like let's stop talking about success and talk about our failures like have you heard of um have you heard of the 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 thing called have you ever heard of fuck up nights yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Too, have you heard of this? No, friend, I don't. Like friend, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So like, yeah, it's like it's kind of like the like a, an open mic night, except for instead of. I think it's called. I think it's called fucked up night. Uh, we call. Uh, maybe you might be right. Yeah, I feel like fucked up nights might be something different, um, where you get you get a little drunky. Um, but. No. no. <laughs> well, y- yes, and. No. Um. So, anyways, fucked up fuck up nights or fucked up nights is basically where you get on stage and you have to tell a story about how you fucked up, like big time, like and and the idea obviously is tell the best story of how you screwed up, but we did this once at uh, one of our sandbox retreats and. I have never gotten like, a. They're usually hilarious because you're like you're in here going like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? But then like you learn from someone's big mistake and how they screwed up. Like I think we talked about doing like an event icons fuck up nights or something like that. But maybe we need to do it on here since we can use the f word um, on here. But like I feel like this needs to happen more often. Like people talk about like the big mistakes that you made and the stupid things that you did, and and let's not hold people 
against it too because like to be honest right. the, the, I, whoever screwed up the most in the events industry is probably the smartest person in the events industry let's be honest absolutely it's so taboo in our industry and in our society to talk about our mistakes and our failure well temporary defeats because those in order to be successful you need to make mistakes those are where your learning lessons come into play and I think it we should be able to beat Will to be more cuddly and vulnerable to express these mistakes that we make along the way because life isn't perfect. It's not just this highlight reel that we put on, you know, social media. It's being able to be human. And that's what's really what's lacking in, in connecting one another. Definitely. Um I I found that, you know, in the in the beginning, if you can hear my dog barking in the background, I'm sorry. It's still the holiday season around here. He's excited. Um, I I found that in the beginning of my my entrepreneurial career that I I I hid all of my mistakes and I never wanted to share them and I never wanted to to talk about them. And and I found that over time talking about my mistakes allowed me to be held accountable for them. And when you when you make a mistake and you keep it to yourself, chances are pretty good you're going to make it again. And when you make a mistake and you tell the world that you fucked up, it is a it is a really good way to make sure you don't make that mistake again. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of of sharing your sharing your fuck ups. And um, the one thing that I know about about relationships and in, in business and life is that that the more you share, the the more you get back from people. And when you make a mistake, you can you can recover that mistake so much quicker and easier than by being honest and vulnerable about it and telling people where you screwed up and and in a lot of times you can save people from making that same mistake which is really why why we're all here it's why we have this podcast it's why we put in the extra time that we that we do in our in our industry is to share stories so that um that the mistakes become less and less hopefully um yeah i love that we should definitely do an episode like that i like it and we just talk because I'm sure we have many, 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 many. Oh, many, I many, got many. some fuck ups. Ooh, maybe if we did like each, we did our own uh, fuck up episode where we each tell a story and then like the host, other hosts react to it and ask questions. Or we tell <laughs> we tell each other's stories so we don't tell our own. Somebody else tells ours, and we got to figure out whose story. Oh it is. yeah, so like you write it down and then just gets email like that. It gets emailed randomly or something. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, I've been wanting to do a full story about how like I started my company and all the mistakes I made along the way and have people from different stages within the company so like my first employee you know like my first like le- like you know like my first friend volunteer who helped me when i was a dj and you know things like that i've been wanting to do it but it's been like so hard to schedule all those people together but that's just a side note here um to to wrap up this article i think if there was ever a time when i wanted to see a list <laughs> it was in the article yeah. and it's not there for sure, for sure. <laughs> moving on all right from sandwiches to centerpieces sustainability meetings are catching on um so obviously sustainability was like probably the biggest trend of like the last few years it's going to continue to be a huge huge trend i think not only just be a trend but it needs to be something that needs to be done i think we've uh talked a lot about that um being how important it is um i i think these are cool but like I feel like the far too often we're getting these like similar articles to this where it's just so broad strokes about sustainability. Like I want to see like s- more specific things, and they start to oh, totally. they start to get a little bit more actionable of it. Like doing a meatless Monday menu, um, don't hand out plastic drinking bottles mm-hmm. with company logo. Like those are all really good things. Yeah. But like almost that article could be those four bolt, you know, five six bullet points instead of what's all this kind of text in here explaining why it's important. Everyone understands why it's important. Just start making articles that give you specific tips 
here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Here's an idea. Here's, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things like that. I think that's what everyone wants right now. I think everyone knows they need Mm -hmm. to go. They just don't know how to go. Mm -hmm. There's some good tips in here though. I think, I think you listed a couple of them that are great. Um, I think that um, reducing waste in food is the the thing that we can do the most. Um, There's, there's so much waste in our industry Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to waste the, the, the chotch and all the the branded shit but wasting food in a in a world where so many people don't get it's just it's so tragic <laughs> and I think that yeah. um that, yeah I, I think there's there's a couple there's a couple good things I think meatless Monday is not that's the not the a pig, thing that should be removed the pig the <laughs> the pig farms is interesting that the MGM resorts used to send mm-hmm. extra food to the pig farms I feel like that needs to be like a requirement in RFPs now is it's like what are you gonna do with all our excess food is gonna be used to sustainability but yeah. 80,000 pounds of food to the homeless like is awesome That's I remember crazy. my um, freshman year of college there was a startup idea that was they were gonna create an app that you could post and say like I just got done with an event come and pick up the food and they would auto deliver it to the homeless shelter and it was like the coolest idea I loved it I was like man this is so smart mm-hmm. the problem is like how do you make money off of that and how can you make it sustainable beyond like not beyond just like sustainable it's good for for people mm-hmm. but like how do you make it so it it continues on and on because obviously you have to pay drivers and all these things like that but I feel like we need more of that like where does where does this stuff go you know it's easy to put things in the recycling bin now everyone understands that but what's the recycling mm-hmm. bin for food waste right yeah totally i agree um we had there's a lot of restrictions um, where i live in calgary and it's likely alberta's our our health board is um provincial and you couldn't donate um cooked food so they oh, wouldn't wow. accept anything that was cooked for for a lot of reasons and it, it does make sense it's you know there's there's a lot of food that you can't just donate there's you know once something's been sitting out or once something's been prepared there's a certain window in which it needs to be used so um the weston hotel here in downtown calgary they worked really hard on putting together a program with the drop-in center to find a way to donate their prepared food and they they fought through all of the all the bureaucracy to put together a program and they you know they they really drove this and um and yeah so i think you know there's there's a there's a way to make anything happen so I have like a two-part story, quick story about this. I remember when sustainability, when I was a student at the um, IMAX Future Leaders Forum, it's basically young professionals that are getting, you know, like out of college into the beginning of their career in this industry. And one of the ladies uh, that was really like spearheading sustainability, she said, stand up if you feel like sustainability is important that you're going to make, you know, actions towards it. And I didn't stand up. A lot of people didn't. And we actually got like yelled at for that, saying like it is such an important issue. So I, gosh, that was like eight some years ago. So now looking back now and seeing how important that is, it's so critical. And an experience I just had, I actually just came back, back from Vegas from our PRA Together annual conference. And it was hosted at MGM. Um, grand and someone from the mgm like resorts like head of sustainability there's two things we talked about sustainability development goals and the united nations foundation has these 17 core 
um, initiatives uh, on and there's like a whole list of them from like no property to zero hunger to quality education gender equality clean water there's like 17 whole lists there and one of the things that MGM the representative talked about was the sustainability cards meeting cards which are actually in this article and I actually was able to see them you can download them free and it's just a really great visual um, there's different categories within each one they're color coordinated and it's like a quick sentence and like a photo and it's really great because you can really play with them as a meeting planner and say, okay, here are some of the things that are important that align with my company's vision, or here are some really easy things that we can do in order to to help to these causes that are so important globally. So I just want to shout out that because it actually is, cool. it, being able to physically see the card was great. That's awesome. I, I love it. I love it. All right. Let's move on to the next article because uh, we got two more left in this list of 15, I mean 10, uh, list of uh, topics. Did you click on this um, one? I, ha- I haven't read this on one yet, though, but it's the topic of what's in your wallet one. planner salary survey 2019. So, uh, so Dustin, you yeah, ready right, for so it? lead us on the, the, the fun. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I just clicked <laughs> on it. Oh, this is crazy. Get to, I just wait. I want to see Tui's reaction, hear Tui's reaction to this once she reads this article. Another it's slide another show. Slide sh- another slide slide show. show. <laughs> it's another slideshow. It's another slideshow. Oh, wow. And then they're like, they're like one-liners. So I'm skipping this yeah. one. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the next one's the next one's really I do good. see why this stuff is popular, though. I mean, like, people are like, well, I'm making this much. I wonder if I'm making more or less so I can compl- you know, expl- complain about how much I'm making. I want to get more, use this as leverage, things like that. There's not a lot of data on this stuff in our events industry, though, either. So, yeah, I was going to say this article is not ideal, but I will say this is so important to our industry because we never talk about it. There's so many other industries where you know what the salary ranges are. And this isn't I feel like this is an issue in our events industry that we're not talking about what we're making because it's, you know, this, that or the other is not professional. But it's so ideal because there's some people in my position that could be making way Mm -hmm. more or just way less. And yes, I get it. Location, cost of living, all of that and your experience. But if we're not talking about it, if you're not knowing what is what that range is, how can you go into a negotiation? Because it needs to be fair. We tend to be an industry where we just, we're just so passionate about it and we just get really shitty pay. I think it's interesting that they open this up by talking about the average salary for vice presidents in the meetings industry. So the average salary in America is $122,188 a year. Um, so it's 135000 on the West Coast and then 123000 on the East Coast. But I just think it's interesting the article opens up with the salary for a vice president. Like how many, like is your readership really all vice yeah, presidents? Yeah, like how many vice presidents actually exist within the events industry? Like what, may, maybe a right. hundred true vice president positions um, at that point? One of the things I always, I find uh, perturbing and I mean this may be the, just we're so early in this at this point is that there's always data missing too on remote positions too so like for example our company is right. completely remote so a lot of times like whenever people are looking at salaries within the roast industry they have to compare it to the one in office but th- I'm always curious to know like are people making more money remote because they're more progressive companies are they making less because there's lower cost of living they can live wherever they want that sort of thing. I, I think that data is really, really interesting. But there needs to be way more data on this. And I think the only way we're going to get it is by like someone like Glassdoor, for example. I feel like they're really leading uh, when it comes to employment data. For them to mm-hmm. finally, again, talk about the answer, recognizes its own industry and its own separate in that like you know like a marketing person within an events company gets paid differently than a marketing person period and things like that. I just think it's uh, 
I think we want to see good data. There's, there's, here's an interesting slide for you all. Uh, certification, the average difference, um, the average difference between a certified meeting professional um, and a non is $8,600. So if wow. you ever need an incentive to go get certification. So this is speaking about CMP specifically, which is likely one of the stronger certifications. Um, so yeah, so if you don't see value in certification, this article says there's an $8,600 reason you should go get Wow, certified. that's crazy. I mean, I, I bet you the, 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 um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the group that oversees the CMP? They're like cheering. MPI. Yeah, MPI. MPI and uh, the, the other one too, the one that oversees all the associations or whatever. Um, oh. uh, Events Industry Council. Um, they're like yeah. cheering right now like, yeah, we have monetary value. But they're just like, they want to see that go up. So I'd be curious to see how that's ra- gone up and gone down over the years as well um, over time. So really, really cool. Does it say where they got all this data, the data from at no, all? It's literally one line. It says no, professional convention meeting management associations. Oh, and this is only convention management. So this isn't even including probably like wedding, social, um, marketing events. I mean, we just need more data on this stuff. I think that's our big reaction to this sort of thing. This probably could be its own whole episode on itself. We'll, we'll have to wait for the 2020 report. All right. I think on to our last uh, one as well. Remember how we said we were going to go through that one quickly? We ended up definitely <laughs> liking it a lot. But That's very <laughs> us, though. We can, we can yeah. talk about anything. <laughs> All right, the last one. Study finds one in four tech conference speakers are women. It's your favorite. It needs to be more. Too. Go get them. Yeah. Hey, look, there's one in four of us that is a woman. This is true. Um, but yeah, we. It's actually no. Well, you 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 take it off because this is your. This is. Your oh, I mean, day. like as far as yeah, like speakers yeah. and everything like that. I don't know. Like I I I don't see like I guess it just ends up being that way. It feels like, but. I feel like we've been talking a lot about like I feel like this was the first year was this the first year I heard the word mantles um, before and I had never heard that word before this year so it makes sense why this is so super duper popular um, you know this is I feel like this stat doesn't necessarily surprise you like when I heard that stat I'm like that makes sense but my question is like what are we doing to improve it and how can we make this better you know like how can we you know highlight for example more awesome women speakers for example and be able to make it so hey it has to be done and you know i I i'm not necessarily saying like hey you just have to hire this person just because they're a woman but i i definitely think there's some amazing i've seen this year amazing women speakers who like blew my mind and were absolutely incredible and i I mean i just want to see see more of it um, I just feel like right now it's we're just love sitting on stats and talking about how bad it is. But again, we need to start making action. It's almost like where sustainability was five years ago is where we're at with this. Right. It almost feels like. What's the what's the spread of um, women in the tech workforce? In tech, period, like like that work for Google, fa- Amazon, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. Is is it twenty five percent of of workers are women? Bet you it is. Um, and I bet you it's close. And that's the reason why there's why why that converts over to the keynote speakers is that that you can't if you're if you're an industry that has more males working in it, it doesn't mean it's male dominated. It means that. Well, oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Um, don't don't let me lighten this up too much. But it's mm-hmm. it's obviously an industry that attracts more men because it is something that that, that men want to do. So, of course, 
when you have uh when the makeup of the industry is is less women you're going to have less keynote speakers you're going to have less of of everything when it comes to women so if if there's an appetite out there for more women to be representing the tech industry then there needs to be more women attracted to that industry and it needs to become an industry that um, women choose to work in so so yeah, that's that's a good point and i was gonna say in our industry there is no excuse for a mantle like there is no excuse <laughs> there's so many we like dominate this this the event industry besides maybe the top percentage of like the ceos and everything and just like how we were talking about um you know like wellness and everything sustainability then i like um this is lot this is recorded diverse diversity inclusion is going to be the next thing it's just a really touchy subject to be and trying to figure out how to talk about that yeah uh, and i mean like one of the things i think that, we, that it's been talked about probably in the past um is too is just like i feel like i want to definitely like carry the flag and do whatever needs to be necessary but i also feel like sometimes awkward as a white male um kind of doing it and i don't know when it's appropriate for me to, to to say certain things and like and maybe that's just I have to have a conversation more you know maybe we talk talk about this offline for what what's appropriate to say and how can how can I make a difference um, but I feel like it, it's totally possible by the way to to blow my mind I googled it real quick and what Dustin was saying and you are pretty similar on the head I found an article from statistica.com I'm yeah, I don't know who too. Statistica yeah. is, so like again, I don't know if this is necessarily accurate or, but you know, I mean, they have a, they they have a really cool name and they made some cool graphics and things like that. But but <laughs> it, it it actually shows across in 2015, women held 25 percent of executive and senior level management positions at S and P 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Who are the people that normally speak at conferences? Executives at these executives. large companies. So yeah, I mean, super duper good point. Um, the question will be, is that a leading factor or a lagging factor? Or can we still break break it in some ways, you know? Who knows? I think the point is it's all relative, right? It's like this this article, like, it's all relative. It it, it makes sense why it is the way that it is. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. And you know what? It does have some um, some recommendations for supporting employees. So I think that's the thing that it talks about, too, is that there's probably we also need to get speak, people speaking who aren't just executives. So like maybe even just changing it. So it's not just the executives giving the levels and this this stories and things like that. But like we can have speakers of people who are lower level. Um, you know, um, there's an interesting event. That's one of our clients called Women Impact Tech. And essentially it's a conference. Um, with uh, essentially you used to educate and give women in tech uh, education and awesome content and it's really cool to see because it's not you know obviously they try to get like you know the big speakers every once in a while they'll get you'll get a you know big name uh, women speaker but sometimes a lot of times it's like second level entry level someone who's been working at a tech company for a year speaking and giving a demo and things like that and you know i think like we need to see more of that as well because i feel like a not only is that help diversity but also just gives like a really cool perspective that makes people think totally differently than what they're hearing rather than just like yeah like good to great oh yeah you know radical candor and that's the only things we have i guess radical candor is not a good example because that's written by an amazing woman (laughs) It actually says the percentage in this um, that you guys just researched it. So on an average marks of 25% of all keynote speakers or standalone speakers at tech conferences are women. But it also states that it, there's a larger gender issue, citing an estimate that only te- 20% of tech jobs are held by women. Oh. This is the sad part. I mean, 
they're trying to spin it to be positive. The report notes some progress, a 4% increase in the number of female speakers at tech conferences from 2016 to 2018. So within a two year like time span, only four, it's only increased by 4%. That's not yeah, okay. I mean, so, like, so, at, what? so basically we will get up to 50-50 equality in... <laughs> yeah, t- in 10 years. A little <laughs> not, less than not, 10 years. Not in the yeah. 20s. Which, that's not okay. Like, how can we accelerate that for, from 4% to 15%, 20%? Listen, And it's equality in all... I just want to say it's not just even, like, women, but just, like, I would love to see all ranges of, you know humankind like different ethnicity and nationalities and just like all of that i would i want it i want i like crave that to to hear people from all over the world in these segment the market segments that we have be able to speak and have that voice it's never it's never been a better time for the white man i i don't i don't understand that it's this this conversation is going to go on for a long, long time. This uh, the breaking that gender gap and like it is still such a such a shitty male dominated world. And there's just some there's some old school mindset and rules that are going to be it's we got a long way to go in 10 years that that number won't change in 10 years. That number is going to take a lot longer. So you're saying like that. it's a bad thing that it's a good time for the white male. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But the but that's that's gonna we're we're a long ways away we think we make progress we think we make we think that we are because we post articles like this and because we have these conversations but i think that that having these conversations and making real change or i don't i don't know that there a lot of people know what to do with this i don't know that a lot of people see it as an issue i don't know that that um that we're really making a lot of progress and i mean look at their own numbers say that there's no progress being made in this and um yeah it's a tough one. Definitely. Curious to know what everyone else thinks too as far as like action points. And I, again, like I, I'm just a big fan of taking a lot of this stuff. And the, the, the data is cool. And yeah, we can talk about it all day long. But at some point, guys, like we got to make action. We got to do things all day long as well. It would be cool to hear what other people are, what people are doing within their own their own smaller worlds to to help fill this gap is it important to them is it something that they have a strategy to to deal with within their businesses do they have a mandate to um ensure that there's there's equal opportunities for 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 all people and how do you actually make that work and you know i'll i'll tell you i don't i don't necessarily have a a mandate i i i wouldn't even know where to start i i i definitely want to give you know everybody has an equal opportunity to to come and be successful here but i'm not thinking about you know the the blend of men and women and and races and cultures and it that's not on my mind and um so maybe you know I'm a part of the problem, even though I'm not I'm not keeping anybody from from being successful, but um, but not not having a not having a strategy to to make sure that that I'm doing what I say I'm doing is a problem. There's a really great documentary that Chelsea Handler has on Netflix. It's called Hello mm. Privilege. It's me, Chelsea, and that's a really. Uh, uh, I think well, you were the one that says like I'm just you know a white man. How can I help? And she talks cool. about that a lot, just mm-hmm. white privilege and everything. And another mm-hmm. <laughs> yesterday, I just had this. Ex- I just uh, watched Bombshell. Oh, don't talk about it. I haven't seen it yet. Don't weekend. talk about it yet. Okay, well you yeah, know what's yeah, yeah. about. But basically, I was with three three men, like at, like my friends, and they said, well, we didn't really like the movie because of this, or you know, 
it's I forgot what they said, but I was like, well, maybe because you can't you can't relate. Mm. Like maybe it obviously has to do with the Fox News. And I was like, you guys have never had to been like be put in situations like that. Maybe uh, I shouldn't say it, not everyone, you know, like, but it's not as mm. common. And that's I, I was able to relate to some of these like examples that I'm were so behind happening. on my movies right now. And you're just reminding me. I know. I know, I know. I saw Star Wars. That's all. That's all, not 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 all that matters. I almost said that. <laughs> but You know, I saw Star Wars. Yay. <laughs> Because you because you mentioned Chelsea Handler, I'm a big Chelsea Handler fan. I think she's I that think doesn't she's, surprise me, Dustin. She's you really, are very... <laughs> I, I think she's very funny, and I think that she she has a view on the world that um, that that is so fascinating. Um, read her most recent book, and if you've read her books in the past, what's it? Which one um, called? It's nothing. Ah, shit. <laughs> That's okay. You keep going. Keep going. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's so I listened to it on Audible and it is a it is such a fascinating she talks about how um just about like the the things that impacted her life and talks about her brother passing away and then like finally announces that her father passed away and just it's it's it is a book that will get you thinking about life in all facets of life from somebody that you would never expect it from. And of course it's got its funny little bits, but I walked away from that book being super, super inspired. She talks a lot about mental health, about her own mental health. She talks about things that she's done to, to set her path in the direction that it's in. And it's not about her being a celebrity. It's about her being a human being. It's, it is a really, really phenomenal book. And I highly recommend it on audible because she narrates it herself. Um, she narrates it herself and it's like it's it's really powerful and, so that's my plug for and the book Hammer. is called life will be the death of me and you too it's great very cool Ooh. well that's that's all, all right. 15 that's... i mean 10 articles <laughs> that we had for today no this is wait maybe the ads will yeah, count maybe the ad will count I still think, I mean, look, I mean, great conversation that we just had over the last like hour and 15 minutes or so um, across all these articles. I feel like it, you know, this, this is the thing. I mean, like, I think the important thing though, is that you can't just use this as a skim. This shouldn't be the, the, the sideshow shouldn't be, you got to read each of these articles, bring them up as conversations and make action and change related to it. Not just, oh, Hey, I, oh yeah, I know about the PSAV acquisition great what am i going to do about it but instead you know dive deeper into it as well but i mean i think there were hits in this list and there were some flops in our opinion but i think it's probably the hits probably outweighed the flops would you guys say i yeah, think we did a great really job educational so sue <laughs> did a great job like she posted this to the, that's who the who wrote the article sue hatch and on december 20th so just yes. recently so I actually think there's, and it, it got conversations going. And I think us as an industry need to do that more. And what you were right, taking actionable items, being able to educate ourselves, knowing what's going on with the latest. It's really important, not to just our industry, but to like being a, a citizen of definitely, the world. Definitely. Um, should we should we uh, take this one home and uh, pat ourselves on the back, Dustin, all the way home? <laughs> Let's do it. I like well, we'd I love like to know that. what you guys thought of this episode, us reacting to a accumulation article across all of them. Obviously, we'd love to react to articles and news happening in the industry, but we want to know what you guys kind of think about this. Did you like this? Was this a good chance for you to catch up on all those articles without having to read them? If so, you're welcome, and we're glad we got a chance to do it. But we uh, we appreciate you listening big time. Tui, Dustin, thank you guys so much for uh, for hanging out for the, the extended period of time and talking about 
a nice potpourri of topics. You guys are awesome. All right. Well, and thank you to our audience. As I was saying, you guys are so Oh, you guys are awesome. I'm just getting so excited thinking about you guys listening right now. Um, if, if you did, um, you know, didn't know, you can head over to eventbrew.com. Uh, we actually have, we're going to link all these articles so you can read them in depth, see the statistics, also all the resources, the books, the, the UN Foundation report, um, the Event Tech podcast episodes that we recommended, all those things like that are all going to be in the show notes. You want to go check that out. We also do transcripts. So if you're more of a reader and you digest visually rather than auditory, you can read that as well. Um, and then also, if you're listening to us on a podcast platform you don't like, for example, let's say you're listening to it on YouTube or let's say you just caught it on the blog and you want to listen to us on Spotify, just head over there to get all the links to subscribe, eventbrew.com. And, you know, speaking of all those platforms, you know, we really, really appreciate it. If you could do one thing for us, like all, for all the hours we record for you guys, we just ask that you guys give us a nice rating and review over on your favorite podcasting platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, whatever it may be. We really, really appreciate it. It helps people find us. And the more people that can hear our um, weird conversations, the more fun that we get to have. We really appreciate you. Also, let us know what you think. Um, let us know what you think about this. This was a lot of different topics, but you can always reach directly out to us. We answer and read every single email you sent us. Just send it over to eventbrew at helloendless.com. We will literally straight answer your emails and talk right to us. Also, use hashtag eventbrew on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it may be. We really appreciate you. And, you know, thanks for listening. You're awesome. We're going to get out of here and we're going to go read, uh, check out some more slideshows and uh, add some more ad impressions. No, we won't. <laughs> thanks, everybody, <laughs> for listening. We'll catch you on the next Event Brew. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.